Right. So now we're going to to try to analyze, according to this array of meaning, the very first word of the Torah, which is the first word of creation, which means in the beginning, Breshit. The first word of Genesis, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Breshit parayelokimeta shamayim v'taaretz. So actually, in this word Breshit, there are three root letters and three additional letters, which are one letter at the beginning, a preface, and the uh, and two letters at the end, Yutav. The three root letters are Rosh, which means head, which also means beginning. Nonetheless, Kabbalah treats every letter and every combination of letters as something in its own right, that can be analyzed and understood in its own right. So, in a certain way, the two letters that begin the whole Torah, begin the whole creative process of the first two letters of the Torah, which are Betresh, Bar. The second two letters are Aish, fire. We didn't yet explain what Bar means. Means that the first, as we said, a letter by itself is is yet pre-meaning. But two letters together is already the kernel ideas of meaning, of information, when you have two letters together. So the very first two-letter combination in the Torah is Bet Resh. And then the second is Aleph Shin. And the two suffix letters, Yud Tav, or a third pair. So now, let's look at the chart and see where these pairs appear and see what, how this chart can help us understand the kernel meanings of these letters. <coughs> so let's look now at the very last, at the last level, which is 11, down the chart. 11A, 11A2. Eleven A two is Bet Resh, but we even before we our eyes catch the Bet Resh, which is eleven eleven A two, we first our eyes first see eleven A one, which is Aish. So we see already something very very significant that uh, that the very two first pairs of letters appear one after the other in the same alphabet. Applying that this particular alphabet is the most essential one in the beginning of creation.
once again, what what is this Aleph Bet? This Aleph Bet, where where is the split? The split of the Aleph Bet here is between is is just cutting off, as it were, the last letter from the first twenty one letters. It's splitting the Aleph Bet from Aleph Shin and Taf by itself. The only alphabet which will follow this is, as we said, it's the invisible split, which is splitting, putting this the line of the split after the tough. And then, that's the very, very last line here of the chart, which is Atbash, the Atbash alphabet itself. But this is one split before that, the last visible split. So it means that Aleph goes together with Shin, which is fire, but then Bet goes together with with the Reish, which is Bar. Okay, the other many other. Uh, observations that I won't go into here that this implies that this entire alphabet not just these two explicit but even the implicit pairs of this alphabet are all very strongly related to the beginning of creation right but now again we're trying to first of all arrive at the the kernel meaning of two letter units which are called char so the very first one, the Bet Reish, is the inner wisdom of kingdom. Right? If you understand the legend, the meaning is the meaning of this two-letter combination, Bet Reish, is the wisdom implicit in kingdom as a spiritual property of the soul, let's say it in other words, it's the experience of selflessness, wisdom is selflessness, like egoless, implicit in lowliness. Sounds similar, but they're not the same thing. To say it in terms of archetypal soul roots, it's Moses in David. Because King David is the archetypal soul root of Mahut. His inner experience is Shiflut, which means lowliness. As he says about himself, he says, Vahayiti Shafal Bayenai. I am always lowly in my own eyes. Lowliness does not mean selflessness. Selflessness means that you don't, you're not conscious of yourself at all. You're not here. Loneliness means that you definitely here you just feel very very far and removed from from God and you 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 don't you're not arrogant in any form or manner whatsoever. As we said before, you know that ultimately everything is from God and that all of your own success is not to be attributed to myself. That's loneliness. Selflessness is simply that a person doesn't feel himself at all. Selflessness is the property of Moses who said, what are we? Who are we? Where are we? We're not even here. Whereas lowliness, once more, that's the way King David speaks of himself. So, all attributes, 
possess the property of inter-inclusion, that you can have each one, it's like a hologram phenomenon, that each one is present in each one, and each every other one. This position in the array is the position of wisdom within Malchut, within kingdom. Meaning that God is creating here the very first unit of meaning of creation is wisdom in kingdom. How do we see that in the pshat of the word Breshit itself? The Aramaic translation which is called Targum Yerushalmi translates the word Breshit not as in the beginning but rather as with wisdom God created the heavens and the earth. But the word Breshit in the beginning appears in other places in the Bible in one and only one context, which is in the beginning of some king's kingdom. In the beginning of the kingdom of Tzidkiyahu, in the beginning of the kingdom of Yehoyachin, and so forth. The one and only other context of this word Breshit in the whole Bible is in the beginning of some king's kingdom. But since it's based upon the word Breshit, Breshit is also used in Psalms together with the word Chochmah, Breshit Chochmah, Yirat Hashem. So we see that these two first letters are wisdom together with kingdoms. That is not yet what we're driving at. It's just, we're just approaching it now. But what we're driving at is the kernel idea of these two letters together, bar. Of the verse, Kulam B'chokhmah Sita, that we quoted before, that God creates everything with wisdom, the Zohar translates that verse, Kulam that everything was clarified or everything is clarified through the means of wisdom. So now what we're going to discuss is that this first, this is just one example, what we're now doing very, very in short, if we would do it 231 times, then we would have the beginning of understanding language and organizing language. But we're just choosing this particular case because this is the first these are the first two letters of the Torah. The kernel idea of these two letters is clarification. To clarify something. That's the that's the meaning of bar. Once more, the reading, the origin of this in the Zohar is Kulam it Periru. All of reality is clarified through the means of wisdom. That is the function of wisdom. Now, wisdom in its original place, so to speak, in the essence of the mind, is not yet involved with clarifying reality as created only when wisdom is expressed through the 
through the prism of kingdom does the wisdom become a clarifying active force in creation. Now what we're going to explain is that the very secret of creation ex nihilo itself is a clarification process. Now, just what I said now is maybe the most uh, non-obvious statement this evening. Like the the deepest uh, insight that we're going to arrive at in our understanding of the language just right now. Let's try to say it in very blunt words. If I could have pure, perfect clarity, I could create, I would automatically create things ex nihilo, something from nothing, yeshmiyai. Just the fact that we don't create is because everything is very dim and dull and mixed up together. It's called irbuvia, or v'choshech mishtamshim birbuvia. In all phenomena of life, light and darkness are mixed together. We really are unable to differentiate things and to distinguish between phenomena in the world around us. We're trapped psychologically with all kinds of false superficial meanings of equality, say, like in this particular university, (laughs) and other like confusions which do not allow us to, to fully manifest and uh, fulfill the potential that we have because every soul is a part of God and has a potential to create. And that is our true function, especially the function of the Jewish people, is to be like, to emulate God. God created us in His image in order to emulate Him. And to create, what we're now going to explain is that to create is simply a function of true clarity. And this is the kernel meaning of the two first letters of the Torah. Bet and Resh. Bar. What? <laughs> right, so now, what we have here in this chart, so also since the parking lot is about to close, so we'll try to also close up soon. What we have here in this chart is another level of understanding when you arrive at the kernel meaning of a two-letter subroot. Then you have to examine all of the roots and all the basic full meanings of these of the, the roots that derive themselves from this two-letter subroot and also give them an, a Kabbalistic model 
of relationship one to the others. And the Kabbalistic model is once more a model based upon the basic phenomenon of 10 or 11 Sfirot. We're not going to do this in, in full. We'll just note the first two words of the Torah have something in common. They both begin the same way. Brashit is in the beginning, but it's written Barashit. If you would split We're talking about splitting the alphabet before. If we just split the very first word of the Torah into two equal halves of three and three letters, which the Zohar does, then we have a new meaning of the word Breshit. We have Barashit. Bara means to create. And Bara, the first half of the first word, is actually the second word of the Torah. Because the very second word itself is Bara, which means to create. But the first word also begins with those three letters. The second three letters of the first word, sheet, read in Aramaic six. He created six. Because there are six days of creation, other things about six. Actually, Abu Lafia, the Kabbalist that we mentioned before, says that six, the six here really means that the creation, the process of creation is through the means of six permutations of three-letter roots. As we said before, every three letters has six possible permutations to it. Every three different letters. So that's the illusion of Breshit Parashit, that through the means of the six permutations of three-letter roots beginning with Bara, God creates the universe, creates us. Right, so we see that when you add a vowel letter, let's say one more thing. We said before that from one, by using our algorithm of 2n plus, 2n plus 1 or 2n plus 2, two different ways of writing the same thing, from 1 comes 4, from 4 comes 10, and from 10 comes 22. One of the meanings of the four is not just the four letters of Hashem's name, Yudke Vavke, the four letter name, but the 22 letters themselves, when we speak of 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, we're talking about 22 consonant letters. But four of those 22 consonants also have a different function, that they're also vowels. Those four letters are Aleph, He, Vav, and Yud, whose numerical values are 1, 5, 6, and 10. means it goes... From 1 to 10 with the two numbers in the middle, together it equals 22. 1, 5, 6, 10 is 2, N plus 2. Aleph, He, Vav, Yud. Those are the, the Ibn Ezra, one of the Pshat interpretations, commentaries on the Torah says that actually there are 26 letters to the Hebrew alphabet. 26 is the numerical value of God's name. Why 26? They're actually, they're just 22. Because he says that the 22 are consonants. But four of those 22 are also vowels. 
So if you count the vowels by themselves, it's 4 plus 22, which is 26. So actually those are two of these numbers in this series of 1, 4, 10, and 22 that we spoke of. It's as though we're skipping over the 10, the 4 directly relates to the 22. Once more, the 4 themselves equal 22. 1, 5, 6, and 10. In a symmetric way. One, once more, a reflective symmetric way. The two extremes, 1 and 10, and the two middles, 5 and 6. Okay, so, so, so what we're explaining here is that, let's just run through these words. Bar means, the kernel meaning of bar is clarification, clarity. It means, when you add, why did I now explain about the vowel letters? Because when you add a vowel letter to a, a two-letter root, it doesn't change the root. So that's why you'll see here that from the two-letter le- two kernel idea of bar, by simply adding the one of the four vowel letters, that the root remains the same. Bohar means brill is one of the thirteen synonyms in the Torah in Hebrew for light. The most basic concept light has thirteen synonyms, one of which is bohar, brilliance. So one of the meanings of this word bar is brilliance. Another meaning bara is clarification differentiation, which is also, I'm now saying it very, very short, which is also used in the Torah to mean to clear a forest. Let's say you cut down, you, you, when you talk about clearing a, a, an area, have an area here of, of junk or something that has to be cleared out. So clearing out something, like clearing a forest or clearing out some, some other place, is called lahavrot. Another meaning of bara, of bar is aver. Aver means a limb of the body. It also means a wing of a bird. And especially in Kabbalah, it refers to the, to the power of love by which our souls fly up to heaven. Then the very, the most important word for us is bara itself, to create. The clarification means creation. Breshit bara, in the beginning, God created the world. One of the Hasidic readings is, Breshit bari, in the beginning you have to be healthy. Because bari, to create, also means healthy. When is a person healthy? When his body is sufficiently clarified. When there are no extraneous matters and materials in his body. It's more or less everything in its proper place. That's called bari. Then there's another meaning of this two-letter root, sub-root, which is bira. Bira is a capital city. The capital has to be more clarified than all the other cities in the country. Then there's another meaning, which is a bore. A bore is a pit, a vacuum. We'll explain it again. We have, to do this in depth would require a long time. 
the beginning of the creative process is to actually create a vacuum. The beginning of clarification is to create a vacuum. It's called simtsum, the secret of the initial contraction of God's light. Another meaning, a most important meaning of bar is brit, the, co- the covenant. The covenant that God the Creator makes between us, His creations, whom He created in His image. The final meaning here of bar in Hebrew is much like a pit, but it's not like, a, it's not simply a pit. A bore, it's a be'er, it's a fountain of water, a well, a wellspring. Now we're reading the Torah about Yitzchak Avinu, that Yitzchak, he was into wells, into digging wells, which is also a clarification process, a subterrestrial clarification process of living clear, pure waters. The waters that come from below, from the well, have a much more intense and powerful power to purify even the rainwaters that come from from the sky, from above. They are more purified, more clarified than our waters that fall from heaven. Alright, so again, we don't, don't have now time to go into all of this in depth, but definitely there is a very, very strong common denominator in these words. The reason that these words are identified with their particular positions, we're not now going to explain it all, the way that we've arranged these words here. But the common denominator behind these words is clarity, clarification. Clarification, once more, is the wisdom to clarify reality. The most important insight that we said is that clarity itself creates. That is like the greatest sentence that we've uh, said this evening, the most important. That clarity creates. Let's say for a scientist, again, I will say something very, very good about this university, of course. That if... A, if, if a person has great clarity, what is it? one of the meanings of creation is, is new discovery. If you have very, very good clarity in, in, the, in the discipline that you, that you study, true, a true moment of clarity will immediately produce a new eureka experience of discovery a new invention a new, a new idea once more a, a, a eureka experience which is a very important concept in Kabbalah of some great new idea that has never been revealed on earth coming into one's mind that itself is, is a new creation in the mind and then it goes on to become a new creation in the, in the world that is a function of, of clarity clarification, of differentiation. Because things were confused, but the opposite of clarity is confusion. Because there was some confusion about the issue, so the confusion is a block. It's a mental block. It's a psychological block. You're confused. As soon as that confusion vanishes, 
and something new is created. Even in Kabbalah, let's try to explain it now in Kabbalah. Creation ex nihilo, there are two seemingly contradictory statements in Kabbalah as to the nature of creation. One simply says that creation is ex nihilo, there was nothing and God created something from nothing, period. But the other, the other thought, and this is a tremendous topic throughout Kabbalah, is that creation appears after initial the creation that we are witnesses to our world, our universe, is created after after worlds that were that appeared that also were created by God but were destroyed. And God created and destroyed and kept on creating and destroying. And all this destroying process is called Shvirat Akidim. And then finally at a certain stage he created this realm, this domain, our world. And that creation is, is ex nihilo. But it's, it's following this whole very negative sounding scenario of creating and destroying. So how did actually, what is the way to put these two shmuot, these two uh, ideas together? The reason that the original realms or domains or worlds, the terminology is not just from Kabbalah, this is in the Midrash, that the sages teach us in, in Niglen, the revealed part of the Torah, not, not just in the esoteric part of the Torah. The, the, our sages say in the revealed part of the Torah that God created worlds and destroyed them before this realm. Why? So the, the, the sages say, the first, he didn't like the first ones. He created it, didn't like it. We, when we read the Torah, the beginning of the Torah, we see that everything that God created, He looked at, Vayara Elohim Kitov. He looked at it and said, I like it. It's good. So from that very fact that God looked at everything that He created and said, I like it, we can understand that there probably were, were experiences, godly experiences in the, in the ancient uh, primordial past that He looked at the things that He did and He didn't like them. So that's exactly what the sages say. They looked at, the, at the, all these worlds and he didn't like it. So he, he destroyed them. Until he came upon this world that he liked. What didn't he like about the original realms of creation? Like he didn't like, once more there was confusion in them. They were not sufficiently clarified. There wasn't, there wasn't real differentiation between, say, good and evil, between light and darkness. Then that's exactly what the Torah talks about in the beginning. Differentiation. Right. Finally, there was the world that was able to be clarified. And when there is different True, obviously it's true, true, real differentiation, then the light begins to shine brilliantly, and that brilliant light, which is like the Eureka experience in the mind, creates new reality, and continues, because the creation is a continual process of creation. So once more, this is the kernel idea. Why is the second pair of letters H? We'll just say another thing. 
that's the crown of wisdom. The Torah begins with the the crown of of kingdom. Excuse me. The first two letters bar are the wisdom of kingdom in this array. The second two letters age are the crown of wisdom. You would think that the crown, the crown of kingdom, you would think that the crown of kingdom should appear before the wisdom of kingdom. But here we find the reverse order. The first you have the, the wisdom of kingdom to clarify. And then the crown of king. What is the crown of kingdom? The crown of kingdom is, is the will, the willpower to rule. What is that willpower to rule? That's just as we explained before, the first worlds that God created and destroyed, he didn't like them. Why did God create one of the reasons? We can't understand God's, uh, God's mind. But nonetheless, in, in the Torah and Kabbalah, there are different rationales for the creation, one of which is that, that Ein Melech Beloam, as we're taught in Tanya, that God wanted to be a king. Why he wanted to be a king, we can't really understand, but he wants to be a king. If he doesn't like a, a world that he created, means that this is not my domain, this is not my kingdom. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be the king of this place. <laughs> there are certain places that you enter, <laughs> and you really would like to be the king of this room. And there are other places that you enter, and you definitely do not like to be, would not like to be the king of this particular domain. All of the initial worlds that God created and destroyed, once more he created, he tried them out. Something very similar to this is the creation of Adam. When Adam was created, so he didn't have a soulmate, he didn't have a mate. So God brought him all of the animals. And it says that Adam tried them all out. He didn't find a, a soulmate for himself. So just like Adam tried them all out and didn't find a soulmate because it wasn't properly, uh, there wasn't a proper clarification in himself. The splitting of Eve from Adam and then bringing it together itself as a clarification process. In the same way God created worlds and he didn't like them. He doesn't want to be the king of these worlds. So he destroyed them. It's like a kid makes castles of sand on the beach. He doesn't like it, so he just destroys it. That's all. But then he created a world, which is, which is a world that he wants to rule. That will to rule, that's the ish, that's the fire. But first has to be the wisdom of clarity. So that's the reason why the Bet of Reish appears before the Aleph Shin in the first world, in the first word of the Torah. That first the clarity and then becomes manifest the will to rule in this domain, which is the secret of the two letters Aish, which spell the word fire. Right, so this was the this was just a very very uh, basic introduction to to understanding that the Hebrew language has this ideal f- form of organization into sub that each one can be given a kernel idea 
and and once more we have to then try to take it from there in order to develop a complete total universal information theory so if there are any questions or comments or anything I'll be happy to to take them Uh, you wanted to ask a question? Excuse me. Yeah. Yes. That I can't hear you. That's an obvious. It's certainly a good place to start. It doesn't mean that you're going to get the, these 231 meanings, because it's just a tech. What you'll get there from the simple reading is the is the technicality, the technical way of organizing. You'll understand about the tens field and about the 22 letters. That you will understand very deep. That's definitely a beginning, because you have to know what the tens field are and you have to know what the 22 letters are. But the 22 letters are still the the, pre, the units of pre-meaning. Right. To understand this, it won't be enough. You'll get, the array will be there, but to understand it, you, it won't be. Coming next is, uh, we have to do, try to do it. <laughs> right. Okay, a little bit more is that these Firotim, this is exactly what's written here in the legend. That if I have one crown and then underneath the three spiritual inner aspects or experiences of the crown, of the superconscious crown, so the, the second line is actually the inner dimension of the sphera and the first line is the outer dimension of the sphera. The simple way to explain it is that the, the outer line is the f- functional dimension of the sphira. Every sphira has a function to it. The inner dimension is the emotive or the experiential motivation. That the simple the simple example is, is chesed. Chesed is loving kindness. Acts of loving kindness. What's behind chesed is love. So love as a emotive power which motivates acts of loving kindness is the inner dimension of chesed and chesed itself which is for instance in the in the body is referred to as the right hand that's the the outer dimension of chesed and so each one has its front and back or inner dimension and outer dimension yes Because two letters twice is basically just the one letter by itself. Even words, for instance, there's one word that doesn't appear here in this chart. When you have a repetition in Hebrew, this is a rule in Hebrew, that when either a letter or a pair of letters repeats, so that's just a strengthening, a strengthening of the, of the thing itself. It's not something new. 
So since the letters were, we, the letters as a category by itself, it's called pre-meaning. So two letters do already have some meaning to it. It can be a double letter. And it can have dad has meaning to it or other double letters. But it's, it's an extension of just, a, it's a strengthening of the letter by itself. For instance, in our case of bar, so there's a word bar bar, which is either barbarian or, or it's, uh, in Hebrew it's not barbarian. In Hebrew, even though there's a country called Barbaria, that's not in biblical Hebrew. It's a it's a very fat geese, which is good to eat on Shabbos, because it's very very clarified. It's called barburim bar, avusim. It appears King Solomon ate them every single day. <laughs> barburim. So again, when you have something repeated, either a one letter, it's just it's a strengthening of that thing itself. That's why it's not counted as one of the two thirty one. Yes. If there are classes in, what, what was the question? If there are classes in Israel and Jerusalem, there are classes all over Israel and Jerusalem and and throughout Israel. After you can ask Moshe here; he'll tell you. I hope to see you all in Jerusalem and in Eretz. Yes. Because every number has meaning, so I can, uh, can talk a whole number, a uh, whole night about 108. But uh, it's not one of the numbers that appear in this particular this particular system. But it's a that's a significance. Gamzu de Tova. It's a phrase that you're always supposed to say, this is also for the good. Whatever happens in your life, you say Gamzu de Tova. No matter whether it appears to be good or the opposite. Gamzu de Tova equals 108. So 108 is also a good number. Gamzu de Tova. Right, there are many, many other forms of transformations based on different things. But this is is basically just using one logic, which is the reflective logic, and and all possible splittings of the alphabet. If you want to find out more about all the different other transformation processes and uh, the way that they also relate to one another, so maybe Moshe can also, or maybe we have something on the side, I don't know. But you can you can find out about it, about more things. Yes. Okay, that's a great question, and the the great answer is that God give a, a classic example of the, uh, the the first Rebbe in Chabad, the Alter Rebbe. So there are many things that he did which is not exactly what it says in Kabbalah to do. And the re- he explained to him, so he, he rationalized and justified himself that I only do things that is setting an example for other people. God also works the same way. God didn't have to create the world in the first place. Even a perfect world. He doesn't need a perfect world. God does not need a perfect world. He's perfect in himself. 
since he's perfect in himself, if he already wanted to create something, so he probably wanted to create something imperfect. Because perfection is no chidush by him. Why did he want to create in the first place anything? And therefore, most likely wanted to create something imperfect because it was, it's all for us. It's all, all of these, these broken worlds are here with us. They're called fossils. The way, even what in, in the, the natural sciences are called fossils. So according to Kabbalah, this concept exists that fossils are fossils of previous worlds. What are fossils good for? Fossils are not just outside, not just that you dig them up. Fossils are also in our soul, in our, in our psyches, they're fossils. And those fossils in our psyches are, we're here to, to, to correct, to correct them. And to clarify them. Once more, God created a world, when we said that finally He created a clarified world, He did not finally create a rectified world. He created the world which is already over the line that it is possible in this world to clarify. He clarified what God clarified Himself, that's called the world of Atzilut. But He left over all of the remnants and all of the fossils of the previous worlds for us to clarify through our free choice. Otherwise, there's no purpose and there's no, nothing for us to do. We are responsible for to continue God's clarification process, which is this bar subroot, the first subroot of the Torah. That's an expression in Yiddish, what you said. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, <laughs> better is better. So obviously the next, the next era will be even better. But it doesn't mean that this world will, will vanish. Will be even the previous worlds that are no good still appear here. So as we said, this world is good, meaning that it has the potential for us to, to use, to utilize our free choice to clarify reality. And to ourselves thereby be like God, to be able to emulate God in, in the creative process. That's, that's what He desires of us. From that will come even a, be- a better, a more perfect realm. This world, for instance, a very simple thing, even this world that we're in, which is relatively a clarified world, is still called Alma de Shikra. It's called the world of the seat. There's still a tremendous amount. We said that the opposite of clarification is confusion, and confusion is 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 deceitful, because once more something appears to be and it, and it isn't really what it appears to be. So this world is still, however clarified it is, it's still referred to as a world of deceit, that you, you do not see what really is there. Actually, this is the, one of the basic principles of all, all modern science, that our, our physical senses do not perceive exactly what reality is, even at the, at the physical level. But what is, what is then science all about? Clarification. To clarify what reality is really, what are the real laws 
that are working in reality. It's all, it's all giving us, we shouldn't be bored. It's all giving us, that's what this whole place is about. We shouldn't be bored. That we have a lot of clarification to do. And the more clarification, the more manifestation of our creative powers. So it's just God is doing us a, a favor.